a game we learn to play early in life, a game we play all through our life, is follow the leader. There are many different leaders we follow on a daily basis. We follow the lead of our parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, teachers, coaches, pastors, elders, ministers, government officials, law enforcement officers, first responders, our employers, doctors, nurses, and all those that God has placed in positions of authority over us. However, as followers of Jesus, the one leader that stands above all other leaders in our life, the one leader that knows once and does what is best for us, the one leader that is with us and at work in us for our good, the one leader that loves us more than we will ever grasp, the one leader that gives us his amazing grace every day in every way is our almighty God. There is no better leader to follow than our almighty God. As the psalmist said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff. They comfort me. Prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Say that with me out loud together. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Again, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Open your Bibles with me to Joshua chapter 6. We are continuing in our sermon series titled, Follow the leader. We are looking at and learning from the example of Joshua and the Israelites as they followed God to enter and take possession of the promised land. Their first assignment was Jericho. There are four stages to Joshua chapter 6. The first stage is the explanation. I'll begin reading in chapter 6, verse 1. Now, Jericho was strongly fortified because of the Israelites. No one Leaving or entering, the Lord said to Joshua, Look, I have handed Jericho, its king and its best soldiers, over to you. March around the city with all the men of war, circling the city one time. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry seven ram's horn trumpets in front of the ark. But on the seventh day, march around the city seven times. While the priests blow the trumpets... When there's a prolonged blast of the horn and you hear it sound, have all the troops give a mighty shout. Then the city wall will collapse and the troops will advance, each man straight ahead. God spoke to Joshua, and Joshua knew it was God speaking to him. God assured Joshua of victory. He told Joshua, look, I have handed Jericho, his king, and his best soldiers over to you. And to Joshua to look to him. He said, look I, which means Joshua, don't look to Jericho. Don't look to the walls around Jericho. Look to me, Joshua. Listen to me, Joshua. You need to hear what I have to say, Joshua. God explained his plan for Joshua to Joshua. God's plan was clear and detailed. March 
around the city once for six days. On the seventh day, march around it seven times. Blow the trumpets, shout, advance ahead. God speaks to us today by his spirit in us. God has given us the victory in King Jesus. God commands us to look to him on a day-by-day basis. He tells us, don't look to your obstacles, don't look to your Jerichos, don't look to your difficulties, don't look to your challenges, look to me. Listen to me. God wants us to look to him because he has truth that he wants to share with us that we need to hear. God also explains his plan for us, to us, by his spirit in us. God's plan for you and me is always clear, but it's not necessarily always detailed. One of the reasons for this is because God knows us. God does not always give us all the details of his plan for us from the very start to protect us from us. Because God knows us, we know ourselves, and God knows we're prone to impatience. God knows we, at times, like to help him along in his work. And so if he gave us all the plans and all the details of his plan for us ahead of time from the start, there would be the likelihood that we would go ahead and just get in his way and make a mess of things. And so he doesn't always give us all details of his plans for us from the start to protect us from us. God doesn't give us all the details of his plan for us from the start because if he did, it would overwhelm us. Think about it. If God shared all of the details of what he is preparing to take us through and grow us through, we would run and hide. More than likely, it would scare us. He knows us. He knows what's best for us. He knows what we can handle. And ultimately, God wants to develop faith in us. And so there will be times where God gives us very detailed plans from the start to help us in that process of growing in our faith walk. But there are other times, many times, that God will not give us all the details from the start. And as we follow God, he gives us his details of his plan for us in his time, which is always best for us. So as we started last week, we're answering the question, when God explains his plans for us, to us, what does God want from us? God wants from us the same thing he wanted from Joshua and the Israelites. The first thing we see is that God wants fellowship with us. God wanted Joshua to walk with him, to talk with him, and to enjoy fellowship with him all the way to Jericho and beyond. When God speaks to you and me, he wants fellowship with us. He wants us to walk with him and talk with him and enjoy our time with him, to enjoy fellowship with him. Thankfully, God made fellowship with him possible for us. 
God sent his son Jesus to earth to rescue us from our sins so that we could receive forgiveness of sins, so that we could enter into a relationship with God, so that we could then enjoy fellowship with God. Jesus opened the way for us by his death, burial, and resurrection. We have fellowship with God by God's grace through our faith in Jesus. We have fellowship with God by the Holy Spirit he placed in us at the moment of our salvation that allows us to commune with our Father as we walk and talk with him. We must be careful on a day-by-day basis not to get so focused on, not to get so consumed by the end, the answer to our prayer, the end of our trial, the removal of our obstacle, that we fail to enjoy our walk with God along the way. He wants us to enjoy our journey with him. And we enjoy fellowship with God as we spend time with God on a daily basis in his word and prayer, in worship, in fellowship with one another, in service to those God places around us, in service to one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. God wants fellowship with us. This is amazing to me. This is incredible to me. I believe it can help you and I to to grow deeper and to grow closer in our walk with him when we understand God is not just some cosmic killjoy up there waiting to say no, 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 no to everything we want or try to do. He's our good, good father. He loves us. He's our sovereign God. And he wants fellowship with us. He wants us to walk and talk with him. When God told Joshua, look I, he was saying, Joshua, look up to me, fellowship with me. And he says the same thing to you and to me. Secondly, God wants faithfulness in us. When God explained his plan for Joshua to Joshua, he wanted faithfulness in Joshua. He wanted Joshua to believe him. He wanted Joshua to believe what he said to him. He wanted Joshua to believe that the battle had already been won. He wanted to believe that Jericho had already been handed over to him. He wanted Joshua to believe what he said to him when he said, look, I have handed Jericho, its king and its best soldiers, over to you. He didn't just want fellowship with him. He wanted faithfulness in him. And when God explains his plans for us to us on a day-by-day basis, when God speaks to us, he wants faithfulness in us. God wants us to believe him. He wants us to believe he is who he says he is. He wants us to believe he will do what he has said he will do in his word, what he says he will do for you and for me. He wants us to believe he's faithful to all his promises. He wants us to believe we are who he says we are. He wants us to believe that we are victors, overcomers, and more than conquerors in King Jesus. He wants us to believe he is with us. He wants us to believe that he is watching over us. He wants us to believe that he is at work in us. He wants us to believe his work in us is best for us. God wants us to believe no matter how big our obstacle is, he's bigger. No matter how great our obstacle is, he's greater. No matter how strong our obstacle is, he's stronger. 
God wants us to believe that though our Jerichos can be discouraging for us, it's not for him. Though our Jerichos can be exhausting for us, it's not for him. Though our Jerichos can be frustrating for us, it's not for him. Though our Jerichos can be stressful for us, it's not for him. Though our Jerichos can be scary for us, it's not for him. Though our Jerichos are impossible for us, they are not impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. Trust in Him. God wants faithfulness in us. God wants faithfulness in us because He's a faithful God. He wants us to depend on Him because He's dependable. He wants us to trust in Him because He's trustworthy. He wants us to rely on Him because He's reliable. God is our trustworthy God. He is the, think about this now, he is the promise maker and the promise keeper. That's who our God is. He's the promise keeper and the promise maker for you and for me. And so whenever God is speaking to us, we know he's wanting us to draw near to him because he wants fellowship with us. He wants to speak into you and me. And we desperately need to hear what he has to say to us. And as we draw near to him, he then speaks to us and he wants faithfulness in us. He wants us to follow him. He wants us to to trust him, to believe him. And the third point we see is God wants followership from us. Followership literally means the ability to accomplish goals under a leader's direction. Followership. The ability to accomplish goals under a leader's direction. There's no better leader for us to follow than God. There's no better directions for us to follow than God's. Followership is all about obedience. Point two is about faith. Point three is about obedience. It's all about obedience. Listen now, God wanted Joshua in Israel, the Israelites, to show their faith in him by their obedience to him. It's one thing to say, I believe you, God. I have faith in you, God. It's something different to demonstrate that faith and obedience with our feet. And that's exactly what God wanted from Joshua and Israelites, and it's what he wants from you and me today. Look at it in verse 3. He says it after saying, look, I have handed Jericho its king and his best soldiers over to you. What is the first thing he says? March. March. Put your feet into action. Show me your faith by your feet. March around the city with all the men of war. Circling the city one time, do this for six days. God told Joshua and Israel, march, which means do what I say. Obey me. Follow me. And God wants us today to demonstrate our faith in him by our obedience to him. Listen, God's speaking to every one of us right here, right now. God's calling you to a step of faith. I know it. He tells us in his word, it's impossible to please him without faith. You're here this morning. This is the meal he's prepared for us. He's calling you to a step of faith. Possibly even multiple steps of faith. And God's going to call you right here, right now. He's saying to you and he's saying to me, I appreciate, I hear, I know your faith and trust in me. Now I'm wanting you to show it to me by your obedience to me. Remember, faith in God obeys 
God. He wants us to obey him. Now, notice the progression in verses 2 and 3. This is key. This is key for us. Notice the progression. This is something that you can continue to meditate on today and this week. It will encourage your faith walk. The progression is look, then march. Look, then march. That's the progression. It's important. It's specific. It's intentional. It's purposeful. Look, then march. The Lord told Joshua, the Lord is telling us, look to me. Before you take your first step in the morning, before you take your first step each day, before you get going, look to me. Listen to me. I have things I need you to understand. I have truth I want to dispense to you. I've got love I want to share with you. I've grace I want to fill in you. I've got directions for you to follow. Look to me. Look to me and listen to me. And as you look to me and listen to me, then what you're going to find is when I go ahead and tell you to march, I'm going to be the one with you. I'm going to be the one in you. I'm going to be the one empowering you to put into practice what I just told you when you looked up to me and you listened to me. Our problem, I'm guilty of this, is oftentimes I, and I think we as followers of Christ, we get this flipped. We march and then look. We get up and we march and we go. And we pursue our day in our strength and we pursue our day according to our wisdom. We go and attack the obstacles, the Jerichos ahead of us in our strength and in our wisdom. We go and we march and we think, man, we're going to get after it today. We're going to be good. This is going to work out. And we go into that meeting. We go into that conference. We go into our job. We go into our workplace. We go into the day and we're marching and we got passion and we're moving and we're going. And then after we get beat up and beat down after the first hour, after the first 30 minutes, after the first 15 minutes, depending on where you're at at that point in time, then what happens? Help! We look. God knows this about us. He knew this about Joshua. That's why he said, look to me. Then march. Then march. And so it's so important, so encouraging for us to know that God... When he says, look to me, he's wanting fellowship. He's wanting faith. He's wanting followership. He's wanting obedience on our part. And as we look, we're then able to march. We put our feet into action. Our faith goes into action with our feet day by day, moment by moment. And God is the one who is empowering us to do what he's calling us to do. Because we look to him, we march out with him instead of marching out on our own and fighting the battles in our strength and wisdom, which never works. And thankfully, God, in his grace and his mercy and his love for us, he's always there when we look. Even after we've tried to march on our own, he's always there ready to look to us. But he's helping us here in this passage. He's giving us the answers to the test before we take it this afternoon, before we take the test tonight, before we take the test this week. He's saying, look, then march. Look, then march. This leads us right into stage two. Stage one was the explanation. Stage two now is the application. The application was Joshua and Israel's part. The application is real simple. Do what God says. That's the application that we're going to see 
for Joshua and the Israelites. It's the application for you and me in our day-to-day lives. Let's get back to the passage in verse 6. The application. This is Joshua in the Israelites' part. Their part is to do what God says. So Joshua, son of Nun, summoned the priests and said to them, Take up the ark of the covenant and have seven priests carry seven trumpets in front of the ark of the Lord. He said to the troops, Move forward, march around the city, and have the armed men go ahead of the ark of the Lord. After Joshua had spoken to the troops, seven priests carrying seven trumpets before the Lord moved forward and blew the trumpets. The ark of the Lord's covenant followed them. While the trumpets were blowing, the armed men went in front of the priests who blew the trumpets, and the rear guard went behind the ark. But Joshua had commanded the troops, do not shout or let your voice be heard. Don't let one word come out of your mouth until the time I say, shout, then you are to shout. So the ark of the Lord was carried around the city, circling it once. They returned to the camp and spent the night there. Joshua got up early the next morning. The priests took the ark of the Lord, and the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets marched in front of the ark of the Lord. While the trumpets were blowing, the armed men went in front of them, and the rear guard went behind the ark of the Lord. On the second day, they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. They did this for six days. Early on the seventh day, they started at dawn and marched around the city seven times in the same way. That was the only day they marched around the city seven times. After the seventh time, the police, priests blew the trumpets, and Joshua said to the troops, Shout! For the Lord has given you the city, but the city and everything in it are set apart to the Lord for destruction. Only Rahab the prostitute and everyone with her in her house will live because she hid the messengers we sent. But keep for yourselves from the things set apart or you will be set apart for destruction. If you take any of those things, you will set apart the camp of Israel for destruction and make trouble for it. For all the silver and gold and the articles of bronze and iron are dedicated to the Lord and must go into the Lord's treasury. So the troops shouted and the trumpets sounded. When they heard the blast of the trumpets, the troops gave a great shout and the wall collapsed. The troops advanced into the city, each man straight ahead, and they captured the city. Notice, Joshua and the Israelites did what God said to do, when God said to do it, the way God said to do it. As they followed God, they saw God do what only he could do. What an awesome God we serve. What an awesome God. I want us to take a few moments now, and I want us to identify some lessons we learn in the application stage, some lessons we learn as we follow God, lessons that we will see right here in this passage, lessons that you have seen in your life, that I've seen in my life, lessons that are important for us to be reminded of, lessons that are important for us to grab our hands around once again this morning. These are lessons that we learn as we follow God, but they're also lessons that we learn not only as we follow God that keep us motivated to continue following God day by day. The first lesson we see is God is at work. God is at work. God was at work on behalf of Joshua and the Israelites before they 
went into the promised land. God was at work on behalf of Joshua and the Israelites as he led them into the promised land. God was at work on behalf of Joshua and the Israelites as they took possession of the promised land. God was at work on behalf of Joshua and the Israelites after they took possession of the promised land. God's work in them was best for them. God's work for them was best for them. And God is at work in your life and in my life today. God is at work in you and God is at work in me. Say that with me. God is at work in me. Again, God is at work in me. He's at work in you right here, right now. Paul told us, for it is God who is working in you both to will and to work according to his good purpose. That means God is working in you and me right now. He's giving us the desire and the strength to follow and work according to his purpose, which is good for us. Paul also said, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more, above and beyond, all we can ask, think, or imagine, according to his power at work in us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus forever and ever. Amen. What that means is this. God is the one right here, right now, at work in you and me. He's giving us the desire and the strength to hear from him, the desire and the strength to follow him, the desire and the strength to do what he's calling us to do, which is fulfilling his good purpose for us. And he now told us the reason why why we do that is for his honor, glory, name, and fame, not for ours. To his, his name be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus forever and ever and amen. Paul also said, I am sure of this, that he who started the good work in you will carry it on the completion until the day of Christ. So that means God is working in us, giving us the desire and strength to fulfill his good purpose for us. And the purpose of his good purpose is to make us more like Christ so that we can bring honor and glory and praise to him, not to ourselves. And now we know that Paul's reminded us that God's not going to give up on us. He'll never forget us. He'll never fail us. He'll never forsake us. He won't leave us. No matter where you're at, you may feel like you're alone. You may be feeling just like you were surrounded by the enemy as we just finished singing a few moments ago. But I can assure you, you're not alone. God is with you. He's not going to forget you. He's not going to leave you alone. God is at work in our lives, in our marriages, in our families, in our relationships, and in our church. One reason we want to make sure that we follow God day by day is so that we don't miss out on anything God is doing in us, for us, or around us. I don't want to miss out on anything God is doing. I'm sure you don't either. God's work draws us to him. Just think about it. We are drawn to God when we look into the word of God and we see his work. In this passage, for example, we see the work that God performed for Israel and helping them to advance to Jericho. God's work draws us to him. We see God's work throughout his word. We see God's work in our lives. We see God's work in others' lives. And when we see God's work, it draws us to him. It draws us to him. When we see God's work through his son, our Savior, Jesus, on the cross, it draws us to him. But God's work also leaves us in awe of him. Think about it. As we read these passages, as we read the word, <clears throat> So we see God's work in our lives. And I tell you, there are times, there are days, I just stand in awe of him. I stand in awe because 
what I am seeing is absolutely, entirely, completely impossible apart from him. It's impossible. There's no other explanation than him. It's what Joshua and the Israelites were experiencing. There's no other explanation for those walls collapsing other than Almighty God. God's work draws us to him. God's work leads us in awe of him. God's work points us and others to him. The more we see God's work, the more we want to see God's work. Points us to him. And we start to watch and look. I mean, day by day as we pray and we have that fellowship with God and our conversation with God, our prayer walk with God continues throughout the day. It's just an ongoing conversation with the Lord throughout the day. That's part of our fellowship with God. We're constantly fellowshipping with the Lord. We're walking by faith. We're demonstrating that by our obedience. But, man, I tell you, our eyes are up and open. We're looking for God to work. Because when he works, it points us to him so we can give him the praise, honor, and glory that he is due. So it's such a blessing for us to see God at work. God's work is best for us and those around us. Listen, one of the reasons why the Christian life is so exciting is because God's at work. He's at work. Listen, he's going to show up throughout the day. He's going to show up in your life and my life. I can assure you, God is going to show up for you this morning. He already has whether we realize it or not or recognize it or not or see it or not, he already has. We're here. We're enjoying this beautiful day. The air that goes in and out of our lungs is from him. That's his work in us. God's going to continue to work in us throughout the day this week. It's exciting. Once we understand this, when we see this, we realize this, And we're able to watch for him to work. And as he works and as we see him, and we're able to praise him, rejoice in him. The first lesson we see here is that God is at work. The second lesson is that God will make a way. God will make a way. Another reason the Christian life is so exciting is not only God's at work, but God will make a way. God is our all-powerful, sovereign God. He's a ruler over all. He's the ruler over creation, over salvation, over sanctification, over eternity. God alone knows the way, and so God alone makes a way. Think about it with me. God made a way for Moses and Israel to be led out of bondage in Egypt. God made a way for Moses and Israel to cross the Red Sea on dry ground. God made a way for Joshua to assume the leadership role over Israel after Moses' death. God made a way for Joshua and the Israelites to survive in the wanderings in the wilderness. God made a way for the two Israeli spies to get to Joshua and to get information, get to Jericho and get information for Joshua about Jericho. God made a way for those two spies to get back to Joshua safely. God made a way for Rahab and all of her family to be saved. God made the way for Joshua and the Israelites to cross the Jordan River on dry ground. God made a way for Joshua and the Israelites to 
to watch and see as the walls of Jericho fell down before them. God made a way for Joshua and the Israelites to conquer Jericho. God made a way for the spies. God made a way for Rahab. God made a way for Joshua. God made a way for Israel. And God will make a way for you and me today. He will make a way for us so that we can fulfill his plan for us. He will make a way for us so that we can fulfill his plan for us, which is best. God will make a way when we don't believe there's a way. God will make a way when we can't see there's a way. I don't know how God will make a way for you and for me. I don't know when God will make a way for you and for me, but I do know this one thing. God will make a way for you and for me. I know he will. He's told me. He's told you in his word. He's made it clear to us. Solomon said, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Think about God in all your ways, and he will make your path straight. Paul said, our God is able to give us all grace. He's able to provide us with all grace, able to abound and overflow with all grace so that in every way, always having everything we need, we can excel and overflow and abound in every good work. Jesus said, seek for the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything else will be added unto you. It will be taken care of for you and for me. God will make a way for you and for me. Today, this week, he'll make a way. And God, as we follow him, key, as we follow him by obedience, as we demonstrate our faith in him by our obedience to him, as we show our faith in God by our feet, as we follow God, he will make his way for us clear to us. Why? So that we can do what he asks us to do, when he asks us to do it, the way he asks us to do it. Here's a great benefit. Here's a plus for you and me. Anything and everything he will ever ask us to do is always going to be in agreement with this word right here. We can always verify and fact check what we believe God's telling us to do by making sure it lines up with his word. It's real simple. It's real simple. So we're able to see God at work. And everybody, listen, we don't have to make a way. We simply follow God as he leads the way. You and I, we don't have to make a way. We're facing Jerichos? Yes. Are you dealing with obstacles? Yes. Are you struggling with questions? Yes. Are you struggling with doubts? Yes. Are you struggling with grief? Yes. Are you struggling with sorrow? Yes. Are you struggling with anger? Yes. Yes, yes. To all those challenges, to all those obstacles, to all those Jerichos, yes. Every one of us. Part of life, we're all dealing with them. More than likely, each of us are dealing with multiple obstacles and challenges. It's important for us to remember, as we see here with Joshua, see here with the Israelites, we don't have to make a way through those obstacles. All we have to do is follow God as He leads the way. As He leads the way. Life, listen, life is not about what we can do. Living this way creates anxiety, discouragement, fear, frustration, and failure. Thankfully, life is not about what we can do. 
Life is about what God will do. Living this way creates anticipation, excitement, faith, hope, joy, and peace. As we follow God day by day, as Joshua and the Israelites demonstrate for us, and as so many other men and women in the Scriptures demonstrate for us, but in particular Joshua and the Israelites, as we humbly follow God, we get to see God do God things in our lives, for us, around us. Let me encourage you once again this morning. God is speaking to each of us. Whatever he is saying to you, wherever he is leading you, whatever it is, that he's asking you to do. Follow your leader. Show your faith in him by your obedience to him. And as you do, enjoy, enjoy the walk. Enjoy fellowship. Watch, be amazed as he does God things. And as he does, just continue to give him the glory and the praise for all that he's doing in you, for you, and around you. Let me ask you to bow in prayer. Our worship team's going to come and lead in this time of response. Our prayer partners will be standing here at the front. We're family. This is family time. This is, this is a time of worship where we respond. We've given God our praise through song, and we've worshiped Him because He's worthy. We've worshiped God as we've listened to His Holy Spirit minister to us and speak to us. And now we worship response. We worship by showing our faith by our obedience. Doing what God says to do, when God says to do it, the way God says to do it. Listen, if God's calling you to go and minister to a brother, sister in Christ, to pray with them, to bless them, to encourage them, maybe you know someone near you is facing a, a Jericho in their life, then go now. You don't have to wait till we get to the point where we all stand. Go now, minister. We go when God says to go. To bring him up to the altar here, kneel, pray. Maybe you want to come with your husband, your wife, maybe sisters in Christ, brothers in Christ. This is family time where we come and we, we encourage one another. We bless one another. We show our faith with our feet, moving forward, ministering to one another. If you're here this morning, you've yet to receive God's gift of salvation by responding to his grace that worked in your life again this morning by your faith in Jesus, then why not this morning? Why not here? Why not now? Today is the day of salvation for you. Jesus has taken your place on the cross. He paid your price for sin. He was buried in the tomb. He rose again. He's alive. And a relationship with God, fellowship with God, forgiveness of sins is available to you and to me. 
by faith and trust in Jesus, the risen and exalted Savior. God's speaking. He's moving. We'd love to introduce you to Jesus. We'd love to pray with you, pray for you. Let's stand and let's respond to the Lord in obedience to him.